Welcome to Greater LA. It's the show that connects you to the people and places of Southern California, right here on 89.9 KCRW. I'm Steve Chiotakis. Living without a home, as so many people in LA do, can be a frightening and lonely experience. As simple as it sounds, having a friend can be a big help. You know, my mother used to say, always look for the helpers. A- anybody who is coming into a place where there's a tragedy. Oh, baby, Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Kevin Adler founded something called Miracle Messages. It's an organization that pairs up unhoused residents with buddies. Buddies who check in with them regularly via phone calls and texts. It also works to help rebuild connections with family members and social networks, which are often lost when you're living in a shelter or on the street. Well, Kevin Adler's with us right now, and so is Keela, a participant in the program. And I want to thank you both for coming on. Hi, Kevin. Hi. It's good to be with you. Good to good to have you on. And and hi, Keela. Thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to talk to you, Kevin. I'll start with you. Maybe a little bit of background, if you wouldn't mind, on the program. How did Miracle Messages begin? So Miracle Messages, we help people who are experiencing homelessness rebuild their social support systems and their financial security. Uh, We got started with this work by actually my uncle was homeless for about 30 years. Uh, He suffered from schizophrenia and lived on and off the streets of Santa Cruz. Uh, But it wasn't until after he passed away that I realized, gosh, you know, everyone I'm walking by, that's someone's son or daughter, brother or sister, or maybe some kid's beloved uncle. And so I just started having conversations with my unhoused neighbors hearing their stories. And over and over again, I heard different versions of a similar story, which was, I never realized I was homeless when I lost my housing, only when I lost my family and friends. And so that was a starting point for our work, trying to address relational poverty as a form of poverty on the streets. Relational poverty. What a way to put it. And and I, I guess the question is, you know, what's the process of pairing these folks up? What kind of support do the volunteers offer? So we have uh, about 300 volunteers currently all around the world. Uh, They apply. They fill out a short little five-minute application on our website, miraclemessages.org. And we then uh, train them. We give them a little bit of support. And we learn about their hobbies, their interests, the call time, day and time, what what their preferences are. And then we'll match them uh, with a neighbor experiencing homelessness. A neighbor could be down the block could also be like uh, Adnan and Jamie, who Jamie's based in Los Angeles, experiencing homelessness, young person. And Adnan is in Bahrain, in the Middle East. And they Mm. have 20-minute, 30-minute phone calls, text messages, and become uh, fast friends. Keela, you're here in L.A., right? Yes, sir, I am. How'd you first find out about the program? Tell me a little bit about your experience. Well, actually, I'm not from um, Los Angeles, California. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. So happened um, coming to California, being down here on Skid Row, just going to the events and walking in the neighborhood. Uh, one day I was, uh, they had an event here and I signed up. But with the miracle messages, I'm going to be honest. Um, I'm not from here. I have children and grandchildren. 
and my parent or my father and and my siblings and my family back home, I sometimes get lonely to talk to my buddy every week. They always seem to just call at the right time, you know, especially when it's hardest for me. And I'd be ready to go somewhere else. What do y'all talk about? Uh, Well, technically, I'll be honest. I tell her about my day-to-day livings. I tell her about everything that's going on in my life. I tell her about my children and my grandchildren. You know, I call to see how her day is. I call to see if she's okay or if they need medicine. You know, like one time we were talking and she was sick. And I told her how to help take care of her cold. Like I tell her, just somebody calling me every day, like I don't always call home or I don't always get calls. But, you know, everybody needs somebody to talk to instead of just praying and talking to God. Just a human being is nice just to chat with, even if it's just your family, your friends, or even just some stranger who cares. Kevin, it's all about humanity, right? These, I mean, we're, we're talking human beings talking to human beings. Absolutely. For me, you know, when you get to know someone as a friend or a neighbor, you can't help but want to be part of their journey. And it, it's not it's not a silver bullet, you know, but uh, when paired with other services, for us at Miracle Messages, we also offer a limited number of direct cash transfers. We are doing a million dollar basic income pilot, giving out basic income to many uh, participants in some of our programs. But the combination of investing time, money, resources, and just love in our unhoused uh, friends, that, that seems to go a long way. Akila, are you a recipient of Miracle Money? Yes, and I would like to talk about that, too. I've also got the blessing of Miracle Money. And, I mean, like, it came when I had a job, but then I got into a car accident and um, I stopped uh, working, you know. And then especially, like, when my money get low or I have, to send money home to my children so they can pay for their college or the things that they need to do back home. You know, it makes me feel good to know, like, I don't have, I'm not working at this moment, but I have a, um, but I have a, uh, a, a little help. Why do you think, Kevin, Nakila speaks with her family back home in Chicago, but, but there are a lot of folks who lose touch with friends and certainly with family, which is also heartbreaking as well. Why do you think that happens? Where does that disconnection happen? I think there's really three reasons that I've been able to identify. I think uh, from hearing thousands of folks, their stories, you know, first, uh, there's huge digital literacy and access barriers among many of our neighbors experiencing homelessness. You know, phones get lost and stolen, numbers change, addresses change, internet access is variable. The second piece is the bureaucratic barriers. You know, under HIPAA, I think a lot of shelters are concerned about violating privacy of folks. You end up not being able to confirm or deny whether someone's at a facility. Um, but the biggest reason of all, by far, is the emotional barriers. You know, shame, uh, fear, self-loathing, not wanting to be a burden. Uh, but, you know, more often than not, the families and friends are excited to reconnect. They often reach out to us looking for missing relatives who may be homeless. And so, you know, 80%, over 80% of the time, it leads to a successful reunification. Keela, does that speak to you? Does, does what Kevin say say something about your life and, and your experience? Yes, and that's why I'm, I uh, signed up to volunteer. I'm waiting for them to get back to me because for me, with the miracle messages and being homeless, you know, I feel like 
God was to bless me with an abundance of money, I would love to just not only be a volunteer, but to just donate to them because of the love that they donated to me. So that way that they miracle could just keep going around the world. Hmm. Giving back, right? Giving back. You have to. Yeah. I want to thank you both for coming on and, and talking with us and for, for sharing your stories with us. Kevin Adler, Keela, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Steve. Coming up in just a few minutes, studies have shown that pets, you know, like petting a dog or holding a cat, can relieve stress and help you in your mental health. But keeping a pet can be pretty expensive, and that can be tough, particularly for the unhoused. You guessed it. There's someone willing to help. Introducing the KCRW Donation Car, designed to be recycled. This first-of-its-kind vehicle will save you time, space, and hassle by disappearing. Enjoy the luxury and comfort of turning your underused car into a donation worth hundreds, even thousands of dollars. The KCRW Donation Car, already in your garage, driveway, or on cinder blocks outside your house. Act now at kcrw.com cars. More now of Greater L.A. from KCRW. I'm Steve Chiotakis. Smartphones made everyone a photographer. Maybe you just took a shot of a rain-drenched succulent outside your waterlogged window. I want to tell you about one organization that teaches folks about how photography actually works. Not only how to get the good shots, but also meaningful ones. And they're here to help. Las Photos Project teaches photography to teenage girls and gender-expansive youth from communities of color. They provide equipment and mentorship to these folks, these young folks who can explore their communities and themselves through a lens. They even offer professional training because who knows, the next Lorna Simpson or Annie Leibovitz or Lola Bravo may be among their ranks. And Lucia Torres is executive director of Las Photos Project. And she's with us right now. Hi, Lucia. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Talk a little bit about Las Photos and and the aim of what y'all are doing. Sure. As you mentioned, we are a photography mentoring organization. Our students discover their own personal identities. They explore their communities. They start talking about issues that are really important to them and start capturing their own narratives using uh, their own you know, photography and really start developing their own stories and their own visions as they're going about and learning photography and learning what it means to capture uh, visual narratives. What about therapeutic photography, which comes up a bunch in your work? What what, is, what does that mean exactly? Therapeutic photography. Yeah, that's actually how the organization got started. Our founder, Eric Ivada, was studying therapeutic photography and decided that he wanted to share what he was learning with young people in Los Angeles. So started up a, a workshop, partnered with a local organization and really wanted to have just students explore their feelings and their emotions using photography um, and it's actually, that's the reason why we ended up being an all teen girl and gender expansive youth organization, because all the boys in the workshop dropped out. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Just that just, you know, kind of serendipitous. And so it just so happened that after that, you know, he noticed that the, the things that the young women were expressing in that workshop were things that they wouldn't have expressed if there were other people who didn't have their experiences in the room, you know, AKA boys. 
And so we've really founded the organization on that. One of our programs called Espacio Yo, or This Is Me, uses uh, mixed media and photography as a way for our students to really connect to their deeper emotions and to how they're feeling. During COVID and after COVID, there has been such an increase in teen girls experiencing anxiety, depression, you know, disconnection. And our students are able to really dive deep and explore what that means to them and connect with each other and other people who are having that experience and also share what it is that they're feeling through an image without having to speak it out loud. And so that's that's one of the things that we found in terms of our work to be a you know, really powerful impact for our students to have a place where they can be vulnerable and they can share these things and not be judged for what they're thinking or how they're feeling. And also not have, you know, their teaching artists try and steer them away from feeling, you know, these feelings of depression or any sort of negative feelings. And instead, you know, thinking like, think happy thoughts type of a thing, you know, yeah. uh, our teaching artists are, you know, encourage our students to be very open about how they're feeling because, you know, we, we want them to express themselves. We don't want them to continue bottling up you know, what they've been bottling up for, you know, long periods of time now. Well, the expression comes from obviously the eye and behind the camera, but but they're also taking pictures, digital pictures, or even pictures that would, you know, be developed later or, you know, to be printed out later of people, right? Of people in their communities. And so you get a lot of representation that way as well, right? We've had students highlight a 90-year-old man in, you know, Boyle Heights, East LA area who sells honey out of his driveway, you know, thinking mm. that this man is incredible for the work that he does. Um, and, you know, recently we've had a lot of students highlighting small businesses who have either really struggled under COVID or are being very resilient and very creative with the work that they're doing in the community. And much of what you do is run by volunteers, right? These volunteers are mentoring and teaching kids. Where do you find these folks? Uh, word of mouth. <laughs> we have, like, like what you're doing right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we have a group of, you know, uh, 35, 40 volunteer photographers, creatives, folks who really just connect with photography, who come into our classrooms once a week as well and do one-on-one -on -one mentoring with our students. And they follow our students for the entire 14 weeks. And, and teaching them, showing them, hey, should you want to maybe be a freelancer in, in the future and, and do this for a living or whatever, giving them sort of the, you know, the, the, the nuts and bolts of what's going on there. Yes, exactly. And we have another program called CEO, which is Creative Entrepreneurship Opportunities. And that did emerge from our students after learning, you know, this technical skills and everything, coming back and saying, my neighbor wants to hire me for a quinceanera. What do I charge them? Um, we have a very spectacular a partnership right now with Angel City FC, who we're very grateful for as well, who have hired our photographers to be on the field documenting home games. That's the LA professional women's soccer team. Yeah. And so to think about, you know, uh, at 16 years old, would I be able to be on the field with a camera running around capturing these games amidst, you know, all these other professional photographers? I would be frightened to death. <laughs> I know, but how cool. How <laughs> absolutely cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, going back to what you're talking about, the mentorship to to support that, that's exactly what our mentors do out there as well. They're there to encourage them and push them along, you know, and just offer that moral support as they're gaining these wonderful experiences and opportunities to really grow in the field and become professional photographers. Lucia Torres, Executive Director of Las Photos Project. 
Lucia, what a worthwhile organization. Thanks for coming on and talking about it and, and helping everybody out here in greater LA. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on and allowing me to share more of what we do. More now of Greater LA from KCRW and a pet. Oh, a dog, a cat, whatever, can offer a lot of comfort when you're feeling stressed or lonely. That's part of the reason many unhoused Angelinos keep furry friends by their sides. But as any pet owner knows, vet bills, food, and other expenses add up. Thankfully, there's an organization to help. Underdog Community Project is a mutual aid group that provides care and support to the beloved pets of unhoused residents working with a team of volunteers and trained vets. They help pets stay happy and healthy so their owners can too. Liv Siegel is the founder and CEO of Underdog Community Project, and she joins us now to talk about their work. Hi, Liv. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You're not a veterinarian, right? No, I am not a veterinarian by any means. And so many people always ask me that. And um, the most amount of veterinary things I can do is about give a vaccine. So not a veterinarian, but animals are my passion. And I love being on the back end of things in terms of coordinating and organizing and really getting to know our community members and establishing those relationships. Is that what motivated you to start this organization? Yeah, so I actually got started um, volunteering in the Skid Row area just because it is so concentrated with unhoused folks and just doing normal outreach in terms of human supplies. So water, uh, you know, wound care, snacks, clothes, all that good stuff. And after going weekly, weekly for many months, I realized just how many pets there are in the area. You almost don't see them, you know, because they're in the tents or, you know, they're hiding behind the gates that you don't see. And so after quite a a while, I realized just how many pets there are. There are hundreds to thousands of pets. And the week that I realized I need to do something about this, two dogs died of parvovirus, which Mm. is very, very, you know, cheap and affordable vaccine. And I thought to myself, if I could have vaccinated those two dogs, they would still be alive today. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and they're homeless too. They are. They are homeless. And so many people, I think, have, you know, biases and they don't fully understand. But in the same way, our pets are our lives. They keep us going. They keep us joyful and motivated. And it provides, you know, the exact same thing to those community members as well. What kinds of services? So you mentioned, you know, that there were a couple of dogs that died of parvo. I mean, are those the kinds of services you're providing? And, And where are you working? What parts of town? Yeah, so we tend to focus on Skid Row just because it is so concentrated. But every single month, every about three to four weeks, we do pop-up clinics in that area. So we provide across-the-board veterinary care from vaccines, flea and tick, dewormer, spay and neuter resources, diagnostics. We've even taken on um, cases like cancerous tumors, brain tumors. So anyone that comes to us with a need for their pet, we really do try to accommodate. And we also serve supplies like pet food and shampoo and all that good stuff, because like you said, it is so pricey these days. And we want to make sure that these people who do love their pets so much can, you know, correctly care for them. How big is the need, you know, for this kind of help? Because, well, we're talking, I mean, if you look at the homeless count, right, across the county at last count, it was, what, 60-some-odd thousand people in L.A. County. 
So do you have any sense of how many of those folks own pets? Yeah, it's actually estimated that a quarter of unhoused people, especially in this state, have pets. So that's, you know, a whopping 25% of, of 60,000 individuals, which is huge. And then when you think of the lack of spay and neuter resources, you know, if, if my dog is fixed, he's not going to have puppies. But if your dog isn't fixed, you know, they have puppies and then that creates the population issue as well. And so the need is so, so very great out there. Is it mostly dogs and cats, or do you, do you come across some unusual pets as well? Yes, yes. So we, a snake came to us, and we were shocked. And they were like, do you have any care for us? And I said, unfortunately, we don't carry snake vaccines, but maybe in the future we will. We've also seen bunnies as well as um, bearded dragon as well. A bearded dragon? Mm-hmm. Now, what is that? Is that an iguana? What is that? Yeah, it's like a smaller amphibian lizard. Um, but yeah, we've come across a bearded dragon as well as some bunnies as well. A lot of shelters live don't accept pets. And, and, and there lies, you know, a giant conundrum, right? If you are unhoused and you have this furry companion with you and the shelter says, I'm sorry, what do you do in that situation? Do you help people find shelter that accepts pets? That is something we're definitely working on. It is it is such a problem. And, you know, these these folks who do prioritize their housing and their health, they're not going to give up, you know, their their baby, their child just for a shelter. But the city of L.A. is definitely um, picking up on that. And hopefully in the coming years, we'll have more pet inclusive housing, which is a program we're trying to work on. Is there a way to volunteer? Like, can can anyone just volunteer with your organization? Yeah, we definitely um, mostly need volunteers with veterinary experience, but folks can always reach out. We do pet outreach, like passing out dog food and cat food, do human outreach. So there's so, so many opportunities to get involved and, and help the community. Liv Siegel, founder and CEO of Underdog Community Project. We'll have a link, by the way, at our website, kcrw.com GLA. Liv, thanks for coming on. Thank you for all you do. Thank you so much. This has been such a joy. Well, that's going to do it for us today on the special helpers edition of Greater LA. If you know of a helper that you think we should talk to on the show, reach out to us. You can catch us anytime at kcrw.com slash GLA. Drop us a line, share a story idea. And of course, you can grab the podcast too, or get the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Online at kcrw.com slash GLA or just search KCRW Greater LA. Hope you're enjoying your holidays, and you have a fun and safe New Year's Eve, too. That's coming up this weekend. Juliana Mayo, Zoe Matthews, Sonia Geis, Ray Guarna, Phil Richards, Amy Ta, Carlos Ramirez, Jocelyn Rohrbach, Mike Vogel, and Christian Bordal are all part of Team GLA. We'll be back in the new year with more stories about the people and places of Southern California. Happy New Year. <laughs>